Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. Dude, we have a lot to discuss today. A lot on the pitch, but um, we're going to be all over the place. But, you know, the news that's still shaking the entire soccer sphere has to be Jurgen Klopp announcing that he'll be stepping down as Liverpool manager for eight years, which is one year longer than he lasted at Dortmund. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Javi Hernandez announced he will be leaving Barcelona. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the latest exciting moments from AFCON. But before we dive into that and the massive, massive matches in England and Italy this weekend, what is the best thing you saw since we talked to our audience last? Um, other than highlights from Marcus Rashford's remarkable bender in Belfast. You were just cluing me into the Rashford stuff. I have not seen this tabloid-esque scandal, but I am now very intrigued. As far as actual soccer being played, the best thing I saw has probably been the AFCON round of 16. Um, Nigeria got through. Egypt and the Congo had goalkeepers involved in their shootout. Uh, ultimately, one Egypt's goalkeeper missed, getting them knocked out. And then Ivory Coast, who basically is surviving by the skin of their teeth through the group stage, had to wait till the very last kick of the ball to know if they advanced or not, beat out one of the favorites, Senegal, in a shootout. And so the hosts are still alive. Um, been a pretty exciting round so far. Yeah, and an integral piece of the Ivory Coast side, getting past one of the favorites, one of the juggernauts, Senegal, um, Kessier, getting that goal in the second half, coming on as a substitute. Just another example of talent that is much needed at a Barca side that, you know, despite having to deal with some significant injuries, um, is just really out of sorts. I mean, uh, Giao Cancelo um, said that he played the worst 45 minutes of his entire life. And, you know, it seems like there are a lot of these players in this Barca side that are really not playing well. Um, they did show some grit against Villarreal, you know, responding when they needed to. But that defense just capitulated at the very end, um, giving up two goals that caused them to lose 5-3. to three, And promptly thereafter, Xavi, a guy that we thought was going to be there for a very long time, announced he would be departing the club at the end of the season. Um you know, we texted back and forth after this. I just don't know how Barca can be this out of sorts. Again, there are depth issues. It's been a rotation at times. Certain people leaving for Saudi Arabia when you don't have adequate time to replace them. But, you know, the core pieces of the side are so good, so talented. And they've been playing really well together for so long that, like, how is Barca this bad? Yeah, and they were champions last season, respectively, with Xavi at the helm. Um, but I don't know what the answer is. They've had a bunch of comebacks. I thought that's what was happening against Villarreal again. And maybe they had a shot to be a second half of the season type team. They got a pretty kind draw in the Champions League with Napoli, I believe. But in the last couple of weeks, they've bombed out of the Supercopa to their rivals Madrid, who I think basically gave them a psychological bruise. Oh, yeah. They bombed out of the Copa del Rey, and now they just lost this match against Villarreal where it just looked like the wheels fell off, and they have a bunch of great players. Like, that roster is fine. The depth might be a concern. They definitely have to dip into the academy, but it's pretty surprising that that hasn't really clicked. And again, 
they won the league last year, but I feel like it was a down year for La Liga and they definitely have not improved upon that this season. Um, granted, Ter Stegen being hurt, I think Gavi being hurt is probably one of the most underrated aspects. He brings like a level of grit that no one else seems to really have on that team. But yeah, they've really lost their way. It cost them their coach. And man, I just, I don't know where the bottom is for that club right now because the financial thing is obviously really well documented. Like, I don't know who they're going to be able to get in to be manager, who's going to want to leave. Like, it, it, it kind of feels like a disaster there. Yeah, and it just seemed like, you know, after they won the title last year, that there were a lot of players who really wanted to go play free-flowing football there after being in really ridded systems. You know, like Gundawan coming over, we thought that was going to be a massive difference. We, you know, Bernardo Silva has been openly pining about going to Barca. It just seemed like it was going to be, you know, maybe not the Barca of old, maybe not Pep's Barca, maybe not Frank Ricard's Barca. But culturally, it seemed like it was going to be a place where a lot of really talented dudes were going to be combining for a lot of intricate interplay and looking like, you know, a team that is dazzling, that is fun to watch, that finds a way to get the ball in the back of the net and, you know, really, really fun brilliant ways and they're just kind of an eyesore in a way i've never been able to say that about barca i mean it's like lewandowski's become this poacher that has to be you know this almost like luca tony-esque like brutish poacher just to make sure that they stay afloat just to make sure they get some points out of some matches and the midfield's not contributing and the defense is absent like you know, uh, Gabby was injured for a really long time. Pedri's definitely not at 100%. But when is dipping into La Masia ever been a problem for Barcelona? Yeah, and they've got some good kids coming through. I just don't know if... I, I, I Again, I think they have pieces. Like, it, it's kind of shocking that they're having these performances. And you always expect Barcelona to be more than the sum of their parts, but they kind of rely on individual brilliance right now. And this Javi experiment just didn't work. And the best way I've seen it described is a poison chalice. Like there's reports of them going after Arteta or Luis Enrique. Why would they go there? Yeah. I don't know why either one of those people would take the job right now. There's no guarantee you're going to be able to afford players. Like thinking that Arteta would go there is insane. Yeah. Well, that's traditional Barcelona, like hubris. Yeah. But like, it's just, you know, and again, like, I don't want to be so, you know, vanities, you know, not everything, but I just remember last time I was in um, Barcelona and just like seeing their kids and it just like, it just didn't feel right. It's just like, it seemed like a bygone era for them. Like watching them with these like Rolling Stones jerseys getting annihilated. It's just like. How far away are we from the only club that didn't have a sponsor on the front of their jersey? And then finally, you know, when they capitulated, it wasn't really a capitulation because they were, it was UNICEF, their ambassadors. Oh, yeah. That, that essence of Barca and that aura is, they might still be able to find it, but it's definitely evaporated over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, that just seems like 2000 light years ago. And, they're Barcelona. They'll figure out a way to be back. You can't ever expect Barcelona be, to be down for two, three, even four seasons. I mean, and again, they won the title last year. So if they don't win it next year, if they don't win it the year after, people will go, what's wrong with Barcelona? Um, 
might help them a little bit in terms of the broader historical narrative if it's Sharona winning it and not them. But at this point, they're out of both major Spanish competitions. I can't imagine them progressing that far in the Champions League unless something radical happens. And they're not going to finish above third. And things could get worse in La Liga. I don't see how this ends well for them, at least in the next six months, let alone the next 18 months. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. If they, you know, somehow just rally around the news and take on a siege mentality, they might solidify their position second or third in La Liga. But I think right now, realistically, it's a battle to stay in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it. Like, Atleti, Athletic Bilbao, uh, they, they've got some serious competition for that fourth spot. They got work to do. Like, like we said on the last pod, they have real work to do and real points to go out and secure if they're going to fend off Bilbao. And right now, they're not looking up to the task. So, uh, But moving along as far as other managerial departures that are you know absolute shockers you know liverpool was fading last year there were you know rumblings about the symmetry between you know dortmund um you know klopp's burnout at dortmund after i believe it was six seasons but uh you know this year it looked like klopp had done you know what sir alex ferguson had did um after the 91 season you know he kind of flirted with flirted with stepping down, but then ended up revitalizing the squad in a way that he felt like was really worth seeing through. And they slugged it out and he ended up winning a bazillion more EPL titles. And the same narrative seemed to be shaping up with Klopp. You know, we saw a patchwork side last year, but this year there's been more reinforcements the kids who were really gritty but didn't necessarily know how to play the style in the most you know fluid coherent way now look completely locked in and there's a reason they're at the top of the table but you know i guess klopp just wanted to see the rebuild through i guess that's kind of you know the the noble way about this but it's 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 going to be weird without him there to say the absolute least. And now that the potential manager replacement lists has, have come through, um, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to parse and figure out who makes the most sense. I mean, we've heard Xavi Alonso, which seemed like a slam dunk. The odds maker said that was the overwhelming favorite before everybody started pointing out that his tactics at Leverkusen couldn't be any more different than what Liverpool's trying to do. Um, and then we heard guys like Deserby and Thomas Frank, which, again, you hardly ever hear us say anything negative about Deserby or Thomas Frank on this podcast. We have a tremendous amount of respect for them, but I just can't see either of those guys walking into Anfield. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like people are working really, really hard to find an excuse to say that the obvious choice is not the correct one when they talk about Leverkusen's tactics. I mean, if you watch the way that Javi Alonso played, especially for Liverpool, and then for Real, not as much for uh, Bayern, but that was a dude that knew how to launch a ball, you know, from, you know, 30, sometimes 40 yards out, that would hit somebody's, you know, shoelaces in a critical point, you know, inside uh, the box or just outside of it to create a chance out of thin air. It seems like 
despite what he's doing at Leverkusen, this is a guy that understands that this mentality, Liverpool, more than probably any human being on the planet that hasn't been inside the building while Jurgen Klopp's been there. Am I right? Yeah, and I, I always get caught up whenever we have these conversations about like replacement, and it's very difficult to know without being in the building for any of these coaches changing jobs, like how much of the system that they're currently employing is like just a die on this hill level philosophy, or if it's them being incredibly clever with the parts that they've been given and being able to assemble something that's more formidable. Like I have a feeling that Jabi Alonso of all people having played for Rafa Benitez, Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Pep Guardiola, through England, Spain, Germany, is probably a little adaptable. Yeah, it's like a Steve Kerr-like resume in terms of who you've played for. Yeah, and will his if he goes to Liverpool, will his team play exactly like Leverkusen? Probably in a lot of ways, and I think that that Liverpool team is incredibly talented and probably could adjust maybe after a little bit of a learning curve. But like, Jabi Alonso is not going to go in there and put square pegs into round holes. Like he's a genius he'll figure it out in a way that works for both him and that squad if it were to come to that now what's very interesting is it looks like Bayern Munich is probably another one of his alma maters so to speak and Real Madrid might be looking for new managers and he might be literally just taking his pick of the litter um, of three of the best jobs in Europe Okay, well, we've done our obligatory requiem for managers that have not actually left their posts yet. So we'll get back to some EPL action, then we'll give you your bets, and then we'll tell you what we're watching this weekend. And before we jump into bets, we got to talk about Newcastle, Aston Villa. Um, Villa, I've been a little more bullish on them than you have, Steve, uh, once they upset Arsenal. Um, I said that you can peg them as a title contender not a favorite but a contender um you told me to pump the brakes and sure enough they have not just fallen back into the pack but they have turned back to their brand the unai emery brand of forever fifth forever sixth forever seventh i don't know maybe they'll end up fourth i think we had them sharpied in at sixth but they're gonna i think they're gonna exceed that I don't see I don't see them finishing anywhere other than fourth, fifth, or sixth. That would that would shock me. I still think they got to be the favorites for fourth, even though Tottenham's coming on strong, and there are a lot of teams with some upward mobility. But I think this is a big win for Newcastle. Obviously, um, they've looked just awful at times. And they've bounced back, and they've shown some really, really important performances at some really crucial times, especially for Eddie Howe, who, you know, it seems like every third week, people are doubting whether, you know, he's still the right man for the job, even though he totally made them relevant again. So I feel like people are missing the plot. Um, Unfortunately, there are several injuries, especially to Isak, who has really, really been... I mean, hell, last season he was amazing until he got injured right out of the gate when he came back and started to integrate himself in the side. You know, we saw how great he could be, and then this season he's been on the fire. Unfortunately, he got injured again. Um, What does this say about Eddie Howe and the persistence of a Newcastle side that, you know, I guess we said they were underachievers 
after they set the bar so high last year by making the Champions League that it was almost as if, you know, if they didn't bring in a ton of reinforcements, it would have been hard to imagine them doing much better than they're doing right now. I think it indicates that everybody just needs to calm down a little bit when these teams take on that kind of an injury list. Um, I think that Newcastle pretty plainly know now that they overshot their mark last year and kind of weren't prepared in terms of squad depth for what they were about to take on. And then they got the group of death in the champions league and it was a knockdown drag out heavyweight fight. They took a lot of punches in that and came out worse for wear. That's been showing up in their league form. Um, they've lost several straight going into the Aston Villa game, but the performances have gotten better. The two games before Aston Villa, they lost to City and Man, uh, sorry, Manchester City and Liverpool. Nobody can really fault them for that. And they almost beat City too. I mean, like that was yeah. I think they had the, they had plenty of chances in that match. If Kevin De Bruyne was still in, if Kevin De Bruyne was still injured, I think they win that match, right? Yeah, I thought that they had plenty of opportunities to take control of that match, and then they bounce back and beat Aston Villa, who's everybody's little darling this season. Um, they've got a lot of ground to make up, but I, they finally started to get their preferred back four back together the last couple matches with uh, Trippier. Botman, Shar, and Burn, and I think that things are looking up for them again. Hopefully, they've for them they've weathered the storm. But um, yeah, as far as Eddie Howe goes, like don't get me wrong, I kind of enjoy this oil money Saudi Arabia situation being the crisis club. But at the same time, like let's pump the brakes. They had a bad few weeks, and it happens to the best of them. Like this isn't a title team. Anybody who thought that was out over their skis, and they took a little bit of a hit. But like if they put on a charge, fifth is still in their sights. And I think that's probably the target this season is get back into Europe. And also, you know, Trippier was heavily linked with Bayern, this transfer window, and he, you know, politely declined. I mean, what does it say about the stature of Newcastle now, as opposed to God two and a half years ago, that they can fend off interest from Bayern for one of their outside backs and Trippier's like, no, I'm I'm cool with this project. Like, I believe in this Newcastle side. And our man Dan Byrne, you know, <laughs> you know, they can win, you know, with a guy like that, who we love for the record, you know, holding down the fort on the other flank. Well, I'm sure Trippier loves the project in parentheses money, but I don't know. I I wasn't in that room, obviously. I would be curious to know what kind of additional perks he was provided. Um, but yeah, it, it does say a lot for Newcastle either by hook or by crook to be able to persuade their players to stay away from Bayern Munich, who obviously is one of the probably what three or four premier clubs in the world historically and currently, and is a team that is going to be challenging for the champions league year in and year out. Yeah. I mean, in no reality are they not ever a top six club in the world and no reality are they ever in terms of stature and spend you know not a top four club i mean to be turning down Bayern, regardless of circumstance you know unless it's you know for this recent advent of um you know the saudi arabian uh poaching that's happening left and right you know that it it really doesn't matter what the fine print is. I think it says a lot about Newcastle, and I think it says a lot about uh, Trippier's dedication to the project. And I'm sure Eddie Howe and his men are super stoked to have him because 
for all the talk about Newcastle's offense last season, it was their defense that really allowed them to make it to the top four. I mean, I think, you know, I forget how they finished, but about two-thirds of the way through the season, maybe three-fourths, they were leading the league in clean sheets. Yeah, that is not carried over. Um, maybe it will begin again now that they've got their back four back together, but um, Dubrovka instead of Pope and goal is obviously a hindrance, but they're, I don't know the exact number, very low on the table and expected goals against. It's It's been a pretty rough go in that department. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, our bets of the week. First off, we're going to come across as a little biased, or at least 50% of this pod is going to come across a little biased, but we're going to rain on the Klopp Farewell Tour Parade because we just really like Arsenal. Plus 130 at home, taking on Liverpool without their two best players. And this is going to be a reminder that Arsenal is as good as Anybody in this league on their day, yes, I said it, that includes Man City. When Holland and when De Bruyne come back and they're firing on all cylinders, maybe we need to revisit that, but they're not dead. They are still very, very alive in this title race, and taking three points from Liverpool is going to bring them back to the mix and not, you know, ahead of City. So watch out for Arsenal this weekend. We also really like Tottenham on the road at Goodison Park, plus 135. Everton sucks at home. There's really no way to spin it. And it seems like Tottenham, you know, they're elusive. Whenever everybody's, you know, all up on their jock, they seem to remind people of their flaws. And then when people just don't want to give them credit for what they've achieved, they prove they're the little engine that could. Um, So that's Tottenham plus 135 on the road at Goodison Park against Everton. And then, Steve, just how bad is Nottingham Forest on the road? Like, bad, 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 bad? Uh, Not the worst, but fourth worst. Okay. Well, that's enough for us to take a resurgent Bournemouth. Minus 135 over Forest. We think that's easy money. You can bag that there. So what are we going to be watching this weekend? Um, Obviously, Liverpool-Arsenal, that's going to be 11.30 a.m. on Peacock. Um, Obviously, this is going to be heavily colored by Klopp's impending departure. But, you know, I think Arsenal want to make themselves the storyline. I think they will make themselves the storyline. Liverpool's without their two best players and Arsenal on their day can just about do no wrong. Um, why are you so confident that Arsenal is going to bag the three points here? I wouldn't say I'm overconfident they're going to bag the three points. I like them at plus 125. I just think they're undervalued right now. Um, we saw these two teams match up a month or so ago. Liverpool probably had the better of that match, but Arsenal had their moments. And since then, the Arsenal results have been pretty terrible, but I think their performances have been underrated. Like you said, Liverpool's missing Salah and Trin Alexander-Arnold. Um, shout out to their right back though. What was his name? Bradley, Connor Bradley. He's been deputizing for Trent very well, but, um, Arsenal is a whole new beast and he has been, he has been overachieving, but again, like he's not, he's not Trent. He's not Trent, but it's shocking how little of a drop off they've had for a kid who's never played in the league at 20 years old. Um, but back to Arsenal, like I think the game at Anfield, 
they had moments where they were able to control it. And they're better against teams who want to come out and play, i.e. Liverpool. And I think Liverpool's riding high. I think they're extremely highly valued right now, or um, possibly overvalued based on this cresting clop wave. And Arsenal's primed to catch them out. Um, yeah, so I think it's pretty close to a 50-50 proposition, but I still like Arsenal plus 125. And I think that they get a little bit of revenge at home and announce this as a three-horse race, despite everybody seemingly writing them off from uh, being too far behind Liverpool and City. So then moving over to Syria, we have another massive, massive fixture. This is, what do they call it? The, the Derby d'Italia. It's the Italian Derby. Yeah, Derby d'Italia. <laughs> it doesn't get more Italian than that. Not a lot of subtlety there. Inter Milan, Juventus. Inter has been the class of the league recently. Juventus has been the class of the country for, I don't know, as long as the league's been around. Um, they've, they've won like eight straight multiple times or close to it. Um, and they're looking like they are informed to take over again. Um, how important is it for Inter Milan to wrestle three points back to keep this title race alive? And uh, this one's a 245 Sunday on Paramount Plus. So if you still don't have your Paramount Plus subscription, make sure to get it because this has been a hell of a Serie A season. I feel like the pressure is on Juventus. They dropped points last week to Empoli and Inter put in a pretty solid performance against Fiorentina to take the lead back and Inter has a game in hand. Um, I would imagine Allegri, knowing how conservative he is, is probably going to think that a draw is good enough here. I hope that's not the case, but it should be a pretty taut Italian match maybe with a moment of brilliance from Lataro Martinez or Vlaovic. They drew in their first leg. Um, yeah, enters a point up, game in hand. They have this match at home. This is a pretty solid chance to really state a claim. And last week kind of showed that maybe they're a little bit more equipped to handle this pressure. But I also thought Juventus was starting to look like they were prepared to reestablish themselves at the top of Serie A. Last week's loss to Empoli was obviously a downer, but they lost that game with 10 men after I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes. So um, kind of hard to judge, but this is Liverpool Arsenal is the game of the weekend, but this is the second best match in Europe and one of the most consequential matches of the season. Yeah. And another big one, it is not the two previously mentioned. It's not Liverpool Arsenal. It's not Inter Milan Juventus, but this is a match that could go a long way in deciding whether Girona's fairy tale story in La Liga, ends up with them at the top of the table. And this is the Madrid Derby, a very, very talented Atletico side, staking on Real, Sunday, 3 p.m., ESPN+. Plus. There's a very real chance that Atleti is able to stymie Real at some capacity. And if they do, then it's going to really put Real behind the eight ball. Um, what are you looking for in this match? Uh, does Athletic need to be explosive, or do you think they're going to pack it in and hope to just shut down the Real machine? I'm looking to see if Vinicius Jr. can keep his head, because they played a couple times in the last month, and granted, he was very, very overly provoked. Um, his demonstrations to Simeone were at least entertaining, um, at one point, Bellingham had to tell him to keep his head. But yeah, this one will be full of fireworks. Not only are they rivals, they've played, like I said, a couple times in the last month. They were both very fiery. I expect some of that to carry over. 
And speaking of Girona, they are in first place only by a point, but they'll have a chance to extend that on Saturday against Sociedad at Real Sociedad as well. That's probably worth checking out. But if they win that match, that certainly piles more pressure on Real Madrid. And it'll be fascinating to see how they manage that and how Atletic Atleti uses that against them because I think that's kind of, you know, Simeone's forte. Well, in all fairness to Vinny, I mean, if you're hearing all these reports that aren't necessarily being dismissed categorically, that Real's willing to use you as a make weight to um, bring in Mbappe, I'd be like, what the hell did I do, man? Like, come on. Like, stand up for me. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I feel like he's kind of synonymous with Real Madrid. And I know it's been Jude Bellingham's season, but I kind of thought that it's Vinny's team. He's the one that's been there. He's won a Champions League with them. Like, I kind of feel like it's his era, and he and Bellingham are going to you know, be a little dynamic duo. But he's been at Real Madrid. He broke onto the scene at Real Madrid. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I, I was surprised by those reports. I find them kind of hard to believe, to be honest with you. But if that provokes him to be the premier Vinny Jr. Uh, showman, I'm all here for it. Like, I kind of love when he gets fired up because he usually pulls out something pretty special when he gets pissed off. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not saying that anyone should be turning down Killing Mbappe or not making room for Killing Mbappe. But this Real Madrid team is flying, you know, with the trident of Rodrigo, Vinny Jr., and Jude Bellingham. I don't know why you'd want to disrupt that, especially if you have to pay a bajillion dollars to do it. Oh, I completely agree. I, I've always thought that Mbappe would end up there um, one way or another just because of the legacy, but I didn't think it was going to be at the expense of Vinny Jr., and to be perfectly fair, some of his demonstrations against Atleti were towards racial chance as well. So if that's what motivates him, I don't blame him. And I hope that he um, puts several in to shut them up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even more disheartening. And I don't want to go too far down the gossip rabbit hole, but there have been a lot of reports that if Vinny were to leave Real, um, Manchester United might be the favorites to sign him. And if that happens, I, I might just might just have to uh, set myself on fire. Hmm. I will uh I'll be watching that carefully. That that would be fascinating. I would love to see him in the Premier League, but <laughs> Old Trafford might could use a new left winger this time next year. Um yeah. Or even sooner. Um so before we go, uh is there anything any stats you would like to share with Just for Kicks Faithful? Uh, we didn't get to it, but in the Asian Cup, Jurgen Klinsmann's South Korea beat Roberto Mancini's Saudi Arabia in penalty kicks. So that was a somewhat odd visual. And in the other international tournament at AFCON, we have all new quarterfinalists. Oh, yeah. Every single team got recycled from the last uh, quarterfinals. So uh, we will have a new winner, and it is shaping up to be a I don't know, refreshing group of folks. Yeah, and that's what's been so crazy about this is Morocco got dumped out. Um, Senegal got dumped out. Um, Ivory Coast, who literally, literally clung on to dear life just to make it into the knockout stages, you know, are now like 
you know, they got to be like second favorite to Nigeria at this point. Right. I mean, I think the bookies has, has them at second favorite. Um, you know, I know you have a sleeper. You have a, who's your sleeper? Funnily enough, I like Molly who they are playing next on Saturday, but yeah, it's so fascinating that Ivory coast, we thought the hosts were going out and then the dying embers of the group stage, they somehow survive beat Senegal. One of the, favorites and as everybody else falls around them i have to agree i think they're probably a favorite to make the final and possibly the favorite overall yeah i mean uh it's always great to see uh stories like this but when it's the home nation it just makes it even more special so um thanks for listening to the just for kicks podcast you can check us out on apple podcast you can check us out on spotify you can check us out anywhere in the beautiful world of podcasting the greatest medium known to man But if these apps confuse you and you're still using Windows 98 or are plugging in that AOL CD into your um, dial-up internet connection, you can find us on www.justforkicks.soccer. Thanks for listening. Um, Make sure to check out the African Cup of Nations. It's been a remarkable tournament. That's all on BN Sports. And... uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun weekend um, across many many leagues. So everybody have a good one, and we'll talk to you very soon.